Hello, users, and welcome to The Grid for this week's episode of They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And if you can believe it, you are not currently trapped inside of a computer, but you are listening to our discussion of Tron Legacy, um, a movie about a boy who gets stuck inside a computer and then wacky hijinks ensue. That's not entirely accurate, but you're, you're going to have to bear with me on this one. It is a film from 2010 that is directed by Joseph Kosinski. It is his actually, um, it is his directorial debut, which is pretty wild. And it is a movie that stars Jeff Bridges, Garrett Hedlund, Olivia Wilde, Michael Sheen, Bruce Boxleitner, and Whoa. also, I know, and also Daft Punk is there, which is pretty exciting. And um, for anybody in the audience who is not up to date, it is uh, it is the sequel to Tron, which is a cult classic kind of thing from 1982, which is also about a boy who gets stuck inside a computer and then hijinks ensue. I maybe shouldn't be saying boy. Because these are adult men getting trapped in the computer, but like yeah, but compared to other people in the cast, they're they're boyish. Um, sure, yeah, that's fine. Sam is twenty six years old, but he's got like um, he's got a look about him, you know. Yeah, and twenty six isn't even all that old. It's not much older than us. And I would how many cycles is that in computer years? Oh man, I don't know. I think computers move far faster so he's he's like at least a thousand a few minutes in here is a couple hours in the grid man That's says true. jeff bridges to literally anyone who will listen oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy this is a movie that i remember seeing in the theater again in a tmnt style scenario um, I don't remember it nearly. <laughs> what? What does that mean? Like in in the TMNT style scenario of you also saw this in a theater as a kid? Yeah. Got it. Like, okay. I, like I didn't see this at the Mayfair last week. They didn't do like surprise screenings of Tron, Tron Legacy. <laughs> so yeah, so we so we have to clarify that it was like TMNT, so people don't think you saw Tron Legacy in the theater last week. Yeah. I mean, dude, repertory theaters, man, they gotta make it work somehow, and maybe that means screening Tron Legacy, but only dude. if Disney will allow you to, which they probably won't. Uh, but maybe one day, man. Like, we're far enough from this movie that I could kind of see it. Yeah, if that's This something... movie was nine years ago, yo. Yeah, I can count. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was really mean waiting to answer you. But um, I remember seeing this in the theater, and as far as I can remember my younger self had a pretty good time with the movie. I remembered enjoying it. And um, in the last little bit, it kind of suddenly returned to my memory because somebody that I follow on Twitter was tweeting about it all of a sudden. And I guess I wasn't totally aware that it has a bit of a, uh, a bit of like a cult following in and of itself, which was certainly news to me. I hadn't really thought about it or seen it since seeing it in 2010 when it came out. I, I haven't seen Tron... 1982 so it wasn't any sort of like nostalgic attachment or anything but uh what what is your relationship to tron and tron legacy and other things that start with the word tron uh what other things start with the word tron there was a cartoon called uh tron uprising that i think had elijah wood 
Um, yeah, I didn't know anything about Tron. I hadn't seen the movie. Had you um, heard of it? Yeah, yeah, I'd heard of it. I In high school, I played a Tron game on the computer, which was a Flash game, kind of like Snake, that you would play online against people, and you would use your little... Apparently, they were like light bikes or Tron bikes or whatever, but to me, they just looked like a lit up snake in the snake game. And uh, you would just like kind of try to dodge other people's other people's light rays. And uh, I would play that a lot. But all I knew was that it was called Tron. I didn't really know if it was like based on the movie in terms of like this is something that was seen in the movie or this represents a scene from the movie. I had no idea. I just knew that Tron was like neon. I hadn't seen the sequel. I barely thought of it as a sequel. I didn't know Jeff Bridges was in the original movie oh, until yeah, brother. I until I looked it up after watching the movie. So I didn't even when I was watching it, you know, Tron Legacy the other night, I uh I didn't realize that Jeff Bridges was a character from the original. So I really knew nothing about it and uh He's all sorts of this, characters. He has a lot of characters in this. And so I I was ready to be to be Tron for the first and only time, possibly. So does this mean that you definitely did not play the location, quote, named The Grid in the 2012 Nintendo 3DS game, Kingdom Hearts 3D Dream Drop Distance, in the later HD remastered version in Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue? <laughs> How could I have forgotten? I loved that game. <laughs> Sorry, that was just, I just really wanted to read those titles out loud, because uh, Kingdom Hearts titles are fucking crazy so that was all one game i, didn't, I no, don't know any well you just said. kingdom hearts 3d dream drop distance is one game and then that got remastered within kingdom hearts hd 2.8 final chapter prologue hmm. yeah i know <laughs> i <Got> know <laughs> i am bobbing my body in agreement but i don't have anything to say oh man you know we I mean? should it's one do, of those moments we should just do a kingdom hearts podcast <laughs> Cause that shit Backdoor is Kingdom off Hearts the rails, case. dude. So many things are secretly about Kingdom Hearts. Like Donald Duck, like stabs people in those games. Yeah, right? dude. And like, it, there's just so many Disney things within Kingdom Hearts. For I mean, obviously, but like, even Tron got in the mix. <laughs> Whenever Disney bought Tron. <laughs> I bet there is a cool Kingdom Hearts cast out there because it does seem expansive and like Tron, it's, it's yeah. There, there is so 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 many podcasts about Kingdom Hearts. I've listened to me. some of them. I've never played even a single second of one of those games. But yeah, I don't, trying I don't, I don't to even know what it is. What the plot is about is so wild that I could listen to people talk about it for hours. I guess this is my opportunity before we talk about Tron Legacy, the thing we're here to talk about. Everybody, go listen to Waypoint Radio's big ol' Kingdom Hearts extravaganza. It's a wild ride. You will not be disappointed. Noted. <laughs> that is what I have to say about Kingdom Hearts. But Liam, what do you have to say about Tron Legacy? Well, I have to say I watched it, and um, it was... Uh, dude, it was okay. Like, I don't... Oh, you're, don't pull know. you're pulling a me. <laughs> I really am. Um... Here's the thing about Tron Legacy is that, like, I could see being really excited about it when it came out in theaters because, one, it was new. It was a sequel to an old movie, which is exciting, regardless of whether or not uh, 
you've seen that original movie, I think that's just an exciting concept. But when you're years removed from that movie being new, it might as well be the old movie. So it's not that exciting anyway. But it would be exciting at the time, you know, kind of like Blade Runner 2049. And a lot like Blade Runner 2049, this movie, it looks and sounds really nice. And it would be cool to see on a on a big screen. And I can I can imagine that this sort of movie would uh, capture the Twitterverse you know, like film Twitter for like two days, people would tweet about this movie and be like, yo, like go see Tron Legacy. This is the movie we've been waiting for. This is like what, this is what uh, is going to keep the theatrical experience alive. Keep it up. And then, yeah, I can, uh, I can see people digging it because there's a lot to like about it. It looks real nice and it, it uh, sounds real nice. um, And it, it's uh, funny at times and it has some nostalgia built in not just because of references to the first movie which i didn't recognize at all so certainly not because of that but i think the nostalgia comes from it just sequelizing an 80s movie and so it kind of feels like an 80s film in its uh neat um really specific concept but then also in the way that it approaches that concept pretty broadly once the concept is introduced and it just kind of plays around in that for a while. Um, But it also feels nostalgic of like the 2010s era of movies to me, which is just uh, movies that are really uh, big and look good, but there's actually not a whole lot to dig into in terms of like, characters and plot and you're still getting really uh cheesy lines that could be predicted before they've been said and so altogether the movie um was a fun watch but i wasn't in a theater and it's not 2010 so i could kind of take it or leave it i feel similarly but i think i just feel those things more enthusiastically than you do i like this movie i had a good time with it i had fun watching it and um, I was impressed by a lot of things in it, which I found mildly surprising. Um, real quick, so I don't forget to get to this. Uh, the Wikipedia page about this movie would certainly disagree that it doesn't have anything to dig into. Because it's got a whole section that's just themes. And it is uh, almost instantly talking about religious thematic elements of Christianity and Buddhism and also Joan of Arc. How could I have forgotten? Yeah, of course. Besides uh, all that, though, no depth. Yeah, uh, Jeff Bridges. <laughs> Jeff Bridges' uh, quote said, "One of the things that brought me to this film was the idea of helping to create a modern-day myth to help us navigate through these technological waters. I dig immediate gratification as much as anybody, but it happens so fast that if you make a decision like that, you can go far down the wrong path. Think about those plastic single-use water bottles." Where did that come from? Who decided that? You could have a couple of swigs of water and those bottles don't disintegrate entirely. Microscopic animals eat the plastic and the fish eat those and we're all connected. It's a finite situation here. Thank you, Jeff. Oh, that was all a Jeff Bridges quote? I thought you had... uh, Nope, that was all Jeff. ...tangented off and you were... Jeff all the way down. Huh. (laughs) So the people who made the movie certainly seem to think that there's a lot going on in this movie. I just think it's... uh, it's a really well-constructed movie. I was surprised at the end to see how many people got like writing and story by credits because there's four people who got story by credits, mm-hmm. which is usually bad. 
that's usually evidence of having to bring in writers to fix something that was wrong or didn't work previously or having to gut everything and starting from scratch or like making a weird hodgepodge out of a bunch of things. This movie has like a completely bulletproof structure. Like it is just like, hey, have you heard of the hero's journey? Do you want to do that in Tron? This is the movie for you. Um, and I don't have a huge problem with that because as a result, it doesn't really waste your time. Like you're in the grid within like 25 minutes of the movie. Yeah, I liked that. I really did. And um, like you said, it looks really, really, really good. Um, it still looks really good for the most part. There's some digital de-aging in this movie. And um, so I recently saw uh, Gemini Man and um oh did you yeah i was thinking about that a lot while i saw this but i didn't see it how ang lee wanted me to see it which is to say Mm. i did not see it 4k 120 frames a second i saw it in a regular theater not that it matters because the point i'm trying to make here is that's a movie that proves to me that digital de-aging is cool and it's not here yet like it just (laughs) it still doesn't look good if you thought it didn't look good in 2019 it sure as shit does not look good in 2010 Young Jeff Bridges looks weird as fuck in this movie. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was a different character for like a couple seconds, like while my brain Well, I mean, technically it. he is a different character. It's just young Jeff Bridges. Yeah, you know what I mean. I understand, because there's like four of those guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's a really good-looking movie, a really stylish movie, um, a perfectly well-acted movie with a shockingly strong cast. I don't know if that's just like disney clout or what but like really solid casting really 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 amazing music and um there's definitely some things that i have with uh some like corny lines and stuff like that for sure but i think generally it's just a it's just a good old-fashioned sit-down adventure time it is it really is it's uh i was thinking of gemini man while i saw this um I haven't seen that movie, but just in terms of like You're fine. Mar- marveling at the technology, you know, I imagine that's kind of what they were going for here. I was thinking of Ready Player One. I was thinking of Spy Kids 3D Game Over. All of these are yeah, this movies might, that... This yeah. might not be a controversial opinion, and I want to let you finish. I'm sorry for cutting you off. This movie is better than all of those movies you just listed. <laughs> oh yeah, it's better than Spy Kids 3D. Yeah, sorry Spy Kids. Maybe we'll get to you someday, but I would say this movie is better than that. <laughs> Oh, okay. I don't remember it though, so like, who knows? But uh, I want. Sorry, I want to let you finish uh, what you were saying. Uh, it just it felt similar to those movies, and in doing so, it didn't feel all that exciting. Like it was pleasant enough, but it wasn't very exciting to me. I thought some of it was kind of exciting. I don't think it's not exciting in the sense that it's gonna do anything that you're gonna find surprising. But there's just something exciting about the style of the movie and also just it's just a very solidly constructed movie it's like it's not reinventing the wheel i mean in the visual effects department i guess it was for the time actually and it looks great but um you know it's not just a competent movie like everything is very well done yeah like even everything down to like the way the camera moves to like costumes which is also something that was actually pointed out in the couple tweets that i saw recently they were all from uh aaron stewart on who was one of the two guys that wrote mandy recently um which is a movie that i love but um yeah i remember him talking about the costumes and i noticed it here that i thought they were cool like i like jeff bridges weird light up cloak thing that he wears that's a good time 
<laughs> yeah, that was good. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I I took to it really like really easily and really quickly. And I think the Blade Runner twenty forty nine comparison is not totally off the mark. However, they're movies that do very different things. But if you want to look at it strictly from a we dug up a sci-fi franchise from 1982 and um, did a good sequel later on that is as visually interesting as its predecessor in a lot of ways while also doing something else with that material. I'd agree with that. I think Blade Runner 2049 is a far better movie than this, but they're trying to do different things. We should do Blade Runner sometime, by the way. (laughs) I'd love an excuse to talk about that movie, but... I don't think you're that big of a sci-fi guy, so maybe I won't force it on you right away. Yeah, no, not big, uh, not big sci-fi guy, not big like techno punk guy, steampunk, all these things that are. Um, you love so, laws. Yeah, <laughs> no I like punks laws. And I don't. I don't want them to be broken. No Daft Punks either. <laughs> Daft Punk was cool. That was one of my favorite parts. Oh, that of was this so movie. fucking tight. The music. I liked their music. The, I liked the music. Might them. be the best part of this movie. Honestly, it's so good. <laughs> It's so yeah. good. And it always comes in precisely when it should. And mm-hmm. it's always something new. Like, I'm sure there's motifs within it, but you never feel like it never feels samey. You're always like, ooh, ooh, ah, hey, ooh, what's this? Some of this. Now we're in a big fight. Now we're doing a, a contemplative moment thing. Boopa. And now the, those robot, those French robot men, they're here. They're in the movie. I think Daft Punk was actually some nice spice in this movie because Ooh, um, spicy. Because it's a movie that, despite being you know more than competent, it still threatens to be a bit uh, paint by numbers, by the books. And I think Daft Punk was a way to really liven things up and make this distinct you know when you first told me about this movie you were like yo daft punk did the soundtrack uh that's awesome so it stuck with me and it stuck with me after seeing the movie you know it it really does feel different around the time this movie came out i i vividly remember having a really cool daft punk t-shirt in my closet so like daft punk would have been a pretty good selling point for me for sure Mm -hmm. and i don't disagree with like the paint by numbers critique because like i said earlier it's like have you heard of the hero's journey well this is that but I just think it's that done well and done in a way that doesn't feel as trite as it could um, because it feels like it's executed really well. Um, but to give a quick uh, quick plot rundown here, so we start with uh, Sam Flynn and we start in the past, uh, close to when the first movie happened, and his dad, who is Jeff Bridges is Kevin Flynn, and he is the CEO of Encom International, which is like a tech company. And they made Tron, which in the universe of this is um, a very popular video game, like an arcade game. And also Flynn had at one point an arcade, which we'll come back up after. And he's telling him this story about the grid and his pals in there, Tron, who helped him like fight the grid, fight in the grid, and... uh He's got some friends on the inside, basically, and he's like, don't worry, Sam, my cool son that I love. I'm going to take you to the grid someday. And then he vanishes for like 20 years. And um, fast forward to modern day. And for some reason, the very, very, very rich uh, Sam Flynn, who is like the biggest shareholder in the company still, um, 
is like a hacker vigilante or something who like pranks his company every year. So Encom is set to release their 12th operating system to like huge financial gains. And um, it has like a cartoonishly shitty CEO who's just like, oh, we didn't change anything. And we just put a new number on the box. And we're going to make so much money. And um, so, so I can he, see those uh, religious Im- that religious imagery coming through here. It's deep <laughs> stuff. Oh, dude, it's a uh, uh, you gotta you gotta dig through the mantle of the earth to get to the themes of this movie. And um, Cillian Murphy is there for two minutes, which is cool. And I hope I'm saying his name right, but everybody knows who that guy is. And uh, I don't know why yeah, he nice wanted to cameo him. in this movie so bad, but I was happy to see him. And, yeah, um, it was weird that it was a cameo. I thought he was gonna stick around. I thought he I didn't remember, so I thought he was gonna be like the guy. Cause they kind of set yeah. him up as though he's gonna be important and then you just don't see him again. Yeah. Uh, I would have liked this significantly more had he been the guy. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And um anyway, so Sam literally then climbs through the building and parachutes off of it because he drives a cool motorcycle and is a parachute guy and he lives in a junkyard or whatever. And what a devoted security guard. That yeah, dude is not secu- getting paid enough. So he enough. gets caught by a security guard while he's like hacking the mainframe or whatever the fuck. And that security guard <laughs> follows him up onto the roof and then tries to talk him down. Because he he's straight up doing like a Spider-Man, Batman, insert animal of choice man scenario. Where he's like jumping off of this fucking skyscraper and like parachutes away and tries to escape the police. And then um he doesn't do that, but he gets let out. And there's a cute touch where um his motorcycle gets impounded, and when he goes to pick it up, he just says hi to Carl, the guy at, who attends the impound lot. And he's just like, "Hey Sam," so they know each other. So we learn that this probably happens a lot, and um you know world building. And um there's this guy named Alan, and Alan Bradley is an old friend, an old friend of Kevin Flynn and Sam by extension who has been like a bit of a father figure in Sam's life and also got this mysterious page like on a pager from the arcade that they used to run and Alan's like on his on Sam's case a bit like yo come back like take the company over make it what it used to be like and you know you don't have to worry about um like get your life together because you're 26 and you know do a thing and he's like yeah okay Alan I'll check it out whatever and he goes into this arcade and um he finds a secret entrance behind the tron machine and he goes downstairs and uh taps on a really cool like there's a cool shot that's like it's an overhead shot of this really dusty display that he wipes off and it's got it just becomes like a keyboard and a screen and he he lasers himself into tron like he shoots himself into the grid by accident and um it was all part of the master plan of clue which stands for, um, oh boy, give me a moment. What does that stand for again? Oh, geez, Louise. Codified likeness utility, which is something that Kevin Flynn set up when he made the grid that was supposed to make it perfect. And in its effort to make it perfect, it basically just became fascism, which, Mm. you know, they've got like the black and orange, like menacing outfit and all these like black masks and like, mad and like everything matches and they're very like ominous and everything else is blue so it's doing the contrast and color thing and also there was this group of like unintentionally created unique life forms called isos which stands for isomorphic algorithms which all got killed by the bad fascist clue gang and um 
Sam is there and he wants to save his dad and he wants to save Korra, who is with his dad, who is the last remaining ISO, and they want to get back out of the grid and get rid of Clue and get everything going. That's more or less the plot. Uh, oh, yeah. And yeah, along the way, good. he meets, you know, characters that give him new information and new skills and they set him up and take him down. And, you know, it's, you know, you know, the stages of the hero's journey. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> like, I don't really know how else to put it. But I think what makes that really interesting for me is a couple things. The first thing I want to talk about is how goddamn stylish this movie is. Because there was a really easy chance for this to be... If this didn't look as good as it looked, it would be way more boring. Oh, I should mention really quick. Um, people in Tron fight with discs on their backs and their identity discs. And they got all your shit on it. And Clue wants Kevin Flynn's identity disc because he can, like, take over the grid and, like, enter our reality somehow with that. And that's bad because he's making an army. Your no bo- good. Your boilerplate evil villain plot. Not a big deal. But you should know in case you haven't seen Tron. That's how Tron works. That's what the that's what they're throwing around. That's what's going on. Um, but this movie's super fucking stylish, I thought. Um, even from like the opening credits, which has this like narration and it's got all this like digital stuff happening that really slowly fades into real life. And like it does I believe it does like a light bike transition into Sam on his motorcycle and it has the logo for the movie sideways on like a skyscraper and it's dark and it's moody and um this the music comes in and the theme song kicks ass and it's just like this movie really knew how to present itself um I think the only stylistic thing that didn't age great is the slow motion that feels like a relic of 2010 in a lot of ways but um just something about the look and the feel and the way it's presented is uh it's it comes together to make a really cohesive like really pleasant looking package even if it's just shots that are as simple as like that overhead shot of when he finally gets into his dad's like secret lab and it's like dusty and just getting that overhead of him like wiping oh yeah that was my favorite shot actually wipe, he so you know red and it's covered in us and he wipes it off and then it turns on and he just starts using it and gradually keeps wiping dust off, which is great because it's a cool angle to present that from, but also it feels more natural because it doesn't just, he doesn't wipe it off and then it cuts back and like all the dust is gone. Yeah. Which is a very little thing, but it's like he's just using an old dusty thing. And that's great. Um, the arcade has a really cool look to it. There's just some really great shots and great staging. I remember a shot. Um, later on where so sam is tracked down his dad and where cora are and um he gets put into like a bedroom and there's this window and in the background of the shot is the window of cora's bedroom and you see him walk in and then she walks in and you can see them both like foreground background it's just Mm -hmm. very pleasant looking um and it makes great use of light because there's a lot of things that uh, light up when used and things like that. But what did you think about how this movie looked? Because I could probably just go on forever. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree with any of the stuff uh, you just said. Any of the any of the scenes you pointed out. I mean, um, the dust thing was my favorite shot in the movie. I thought that was really great. 
it wasn't until they got into the Tron world that I actually started to become a bit jaded by the way it looked because mm. I think that um, this movie is a Disney movie and it has so much money behind it and it's based on a property that lends itself so well to looking unique with all these neon lights and uh, this sleek blackness and stuff that I think at the very least, this movie is going to look really good. You know, um, I think any version of a Tron sequel we're going to get by a big studio is going to look as good as this movie looks. And while there are quite a few shots in there, um, like the ones you just listed that really do stand out and show that, you know, this director or whomever it was, was really thinking about some of these things. There were also a lot of moments where it just, it, it looked nice, but I suppose that was when it became apparent that the plot and the characters weren't doing a lot for me. And I was bothered by that because, um, in the situation I watched this movie in, you know, not being in a theater, not having a great pair of headphones, I, I wasn't able to delve into the world the way that the movie uh, deserves to be delved into. You know, I think um, this movie was made to be seen on the big screen and I didn't get to see it for that. And so that's when it becomes disappointing to me that there isn't... Um, more there to grab onto in terms of the stuff that's going to be layered on top of the movie that we know looks so good because the movie looks good but um it didn't it didn't get to a hundred in the way it looks for me and that okay. might just be my sensibilities in terms of you know techno punk and stuff and because that wasn't at a hundred i wanted the plot to be more than you know like a 30 or whatever yeah whatever i call it yeah for whatever i'm saying about how it's just like very solidly structured like it's really good at hitting beats when it ought to hit beats and it keeps things moving it's really well paced but it is very like have you seen a movie with a bad guy does that bad guy want to take over the world is that bad guy building an army okay then you you know what's going on here right um, were you starting to get a little bit jaded when they went out of the grid to like the mountainous place or was it by the time where they were doing the like gladiator games? Yeah, it's, it's the gladiator game stuff and we just have all this black and neon and when, um, Rinsler comes in, the dude with the helmet Hell and fucking he's yeah, dude. throwing his discs. Like I didn't, I thought his design was actually kind of, uh, like homogenous and not, super unique like he has a helmet on but i think he doesn't actually is only so people don't find out rinsler is tron yeah right, right. <laughs> but he like um he doesn't look all that different from everyone else and i don't think every like each person kind of looks like the other person you know they have like a cool looking jumpsuit that's kind of sleek and yeah. matches the world that they're in. But besides that, it's, it's like, you know, once you get into the Tron world um, and you know that this is what you're in for. And I say you being me, once I get into the Tron world and I know what I'm in for, then it's ju it's just that for a lot of the movie. And though there are notes in there that surprised me, um, I, I feel like I've seen a lot of this stuff before in stuff like Spy Kids 3D and Ready Player One, you know? And um, I can understand seeing, like, the original Tron in 1980, and um, I've heard on the Wikipedia page that people criticize that movie for having sort of a, a flat 
um, and or too complex plot as well. But in 1980, effects like that and a world like that can really do wonders for guiding you through the movie. But um, in 2019, when I saw this movie, you know, it didn't have that same... uh, novelty to me you're living in a post james cameron's avatar world (laughs) truly yeah i was thinking about that too that this is only a year after avatar and i'm watching the scenes of um sam i'm watching the scene of like sam parachuting down to the city streets and like i don't think it looks that great like i guess this movie was supposed to be in 3d right and i didn't watch it in 3d yeah um but it still had that 3d filter on it you know where like the, the people in the foreground look like really in the foreground and then the background looks like a green screen because of the way i just thought that, that they... was bad green screening but i guess it must that have might, been the that, 3d because there's no that way might a movie... be it, but i was seeing it a lot of the time yeah you know? i agree i was gonna point that out because um i think of when they're in that elevator mm-hmm. and it's like dropping really fast that's a bad that looks bad (laughs) yeah there's some stuff i hadn't considered that that's because it was 3d but you're probably right yeah and and so that was just reminding me a lot of the movies like oh man i wish i was seeing this in like a better home theater setup or just in a theater because i felt like i was missing out and i was just being reminded the entire time that this would be better on a big screen you know the 3d The, the lack of 3D aspects, you know, the residual 3D um, kind of leaves like this strange frame rate, I think, where like it kind of feels like a soap opera, the way people are moving. Like it has that it's a little soap bit opera frame rate. I don't and, think yeah, it's, it's a actually a different yeah. frame rate, though. I think it just looks like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because I'm pretty sure this is like stock frame rate. Yeah, um, yeah, I, w- I would believe that. I don't think they were trying to do an Ang Lee, but it's just the way it came across, you know? Yeah, no, I uh, I would love to see Ang Lee's Tron, though. That would be some wild shit. But um, yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. And I, I think about the games because that's where we finally get like the light cycles and like the fighting and stuff. And I think the light cycle designs are cool. And I like that the path they leave behind almost looks like a gel in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. liked how those things looked. But I understand what you're saying of if it's not enough to keep you in this over and above the plot then yeah it's only going to do so much for you and the plot definitely is a bit one dimensional but i think that manages to get elevated by a couple of performances that are really good i think our main trio of characters is really strong and i think that's a testament to jeff bridges because he had to play like (laughs) a lot of people and he manages to make them feel different um, but he only does, one, I think he only one of them's quote unquote good because I just, I think uh clue is just boring, but like, it's cool that he's doing like a different thing like that. And it's cool seeing flashbacks. Um, I think that the de-aging CG that they're doing looks way better in flashbacks than it does in a uh, regular time. Do you know what I mean? I, I totally know what you mean. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> once they're in regular time, um, it looks it might be something to do with the all this black. Yeah. Um, but it looks super strange. Like when you're seeing them standing opposite each other in His profile, face is kind of shiny. It looks uh, for anyone out there who has seen Neil Breen's Twisted Pair. Oh it's not. God. It's not dissimilar. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but what I do want to say is I really like the um the like main trio of actors we have, there's a lot of pedigree in there. Like I mentioned earlier, it's a uh, Garrett Hedlund, Olivia Wilde and uh, Jeff Bridges. 
in that trio, you get like three interesting archetypes that feel really distinct. And then when you put those archetypes into different scenarios, I feel like it works out. So Sam is this kind of, he's like the charming and cool aloof guy who's just like, Hey man, I'm just doing my thing. You know, like I'm just the guy and I'm cool and I got a Ducati and I'm fucking whatever. And I think he does that well because then he's kind of able to take on the reluctant hero kind of role in a way that feels nice because it's like, Hey, he's just trying to get his dad, you know, like it seems like really for most of the movie, he could give less of a shit. Uh, what happens to the grid? He just wants to go get his dad. And, um, Jeff Bridges just gets to be chilled out Zen guy, which I was not expecting and did not remember, but he's just like, he's, he's just, done the, that part he's just the dude, but he's the digital dude. And, the digital um, dude. and um, he's in all these robes and um, he's, uh, you know, referencing old books and religious ideals and about taking oneself out of the equation. And he's had a lot of time to meditate. It would seem and he's just like the wizened old figure. And I think Jeff Bridges is uniquely good at that kind of thing. Um, so it's nice to see him do it here. And it's cool to see that compared to a performance by Jeff Bridges of like evil guy. <laughs> Seeing those together, like interacting with one another is cool. And um, Olivia Wilde does a really great, like over-enthusiastic, curious person <laughs> who's just like, a bit of a goody two shoes who's trying a bit too hard um because she just thinks everything's cool and like really thinks like kevin flynn is the shit basically and i think all of those go really well together did you have any strong feelings about that at all no strong feelings but you're kind of you're convincing me that if i were to watch this movie again and really focus on that dynamic i might get more out of it because it was definitely creeping up on me i think um all three of them are are fun together. I think taken separately, it wasn't doing a whole lot for me, except for Jeff Bridges. I'll, yeah. I'll kind of take more of him wherever I can get. But when we had, you know, the beginning with Sam, um, it just it felt very Avatar to me, where it's like, oh hey, this is like a this is a good looking leading man who I haven't seen again because his charisma isn't necessarily being communicated here. And I've looked him up since and I've seen that he's, he's gotten some work and, and that's awesome. And uh, I could totally see him um, doing some good stuff elsewhere. But in this one, it just, it felt very much like he just needed to fulfill the, uh, the like blank slate, good looking uh, dude who can end up being a hero at the end. And so I I saw right through that at the very beginning. And so I wasn't able to really latch on to him. And, you know, to be fair to the guy, there are very few actors who could play that part and have me latch on to them from the beginning. You know, I really have to take a liking to you. And that sort of thing is like super particular, you know, I'm sure there are people who watched this movie and, and took to him from the very beginning. And I think that's great, but that didn't happen for me. Um, but seeing all three of them together, it was, it was really pleasant. I think they worked well. And by the time we got to the end with, uh, Sam and Olivia Wilde riding on the, uh, motorcycle, you know, I smiled. I thought it was cute. <laughs> I, I, I always thought it was kind of like, I've always rolled my eyes at the, like, at why he needed to get the girl. I've never really understood that, but um, another thing I want to talk about, because it's going to let me segue into all kinds of stuff, is there are two really, really, really amazing supporting 
performances in this movie. What am I referring to? Take a shot in the uh, dark here. David Bowie. Hell yeah. And Cillian Murphy. No, well, Cillian Murphy's not in it enough for me to really latch onto that. I would like to give a shout out to Michael Sheen, who is playing uh, Zeus, who is just David Bowieing it up all over the fucking place, and he is crazy. He has like a big shock of white hair and a light up cane, and he sets up our guys. And there's a big brawl inside this bar that he owns, and he's just like gallivanting around all over the place doing a Bowie thing. And Daft Punk is there, and it fucking rules, and he's so over the top and hammy. And uh, James Frain, I would like to shout out as um, Clue's right hand man, who's the bald guy with the weird mohawk mask helmet thing, mm-hmm. who is just like this bumbling, cowardly idiot, and he does that really, really, really well. Yeah, yeah, that that sort of thing is, uh, you know, I wish this movie had more of that. At the same time, I uh, it is the uh, understand perfect amount that, because it would have yeah, gotten yeah. really annoying. Yeah, like every movie can't be full of those characters, you know. But but that's the kind of stuff that I really remembered about that I remembered. I saw it a couple days ago. I kind of I remember a lot of it. But that's the kind of stuff that I that I will remember about this movie. And then I look at you know the leading the leading man and I don't feel that at all. And so I guess um, I'm sort of asking for like a perfect movie here. Um, yeah. And, and and we didn't get that. And so um, that's really where like most of my critiques come from, because if a movie's not perfect and it's also not awful, then what do I have to complain about? You know, and this movie is neither of those things. So. Yeah. It, it meets, it meets a baseline requirement for you. Yeah, basically. And that's totally fine. And I want to use that to just segue into, um, I don't remember what I wanted to segue into. (laughs) Um, To your point about only being able to have like so much of that kind of character in the movie. I think we mentioned earlier, there are a couple lines that are just kind of like annoying and just sort of like eye rolly Mm one-liners. But I wrote down uh, two one-liners and it really kind of gives you, you, it helps you run the gambit of like things that are said in this movie which is they're on this like weird space train trying to get to... So there's a portal that is on a timer, basically, that can let them get out of the grid. And to get there, they have to go through Clue and his forces because that's how movies work, folks. And um, they're on this train, and uh, Kevin Flynn and Sam Flynn are talking, and he's like catching him up on like the last 20 years of real life. And one of the things he says is like, He's like, oh man, like the the ice caps are melting and all this terrible shit. Oh, and the Lakers and Celtics are back at it again. Yeah, and that really <laughs> stuck out at me and was weird. And yeah. uh, at one point, Jeff Bridges does say the sentence "bio digital jazz, man," and that was just too good <laughs> yeah, for me to that's not a good one. write down and proceed to tattoo on both my arms and both of my legs. Yeah, that's like one line that would play better in a theater, and then another line that is absolutely timeless. <laughs> yeah, basically. And, um, you know, I, I'm kind of surprised, but I don't know how much more there is to really say, because I don't feel much of a need to break this down beat for beat, because it's like, you know, he gets into the grid, he's given the gear he needs to be in the grid, and he, like, learns the lay of the land, and he just moves through it and meets people and works with people as he's trying to like help his dad and Quora like escape and there's like a generic bad guys are there um I think a lot of what 
we've already talked about speaks to a lot of what I already really like and a lot of what you find perfectly fine, which is that it feels like it's got a unique stylistic sensibility and um, is just solidly constructed. I do really like that um, this movie's also got weird stuff in it that just doesn't make any sense and it's okay with just being weird techno stuff. Um, there was a bit uh, where during the um, the games, as they're called, uh, Rinsler is out there and he gets like sent by Clue and Clue is like using Fushigi balls in his hand, um, like rolling these glass black and orange balls in his hand. And I thought those balls controlled Rinsler. And I was mm. like, this movie's weird. And then I realized that's extremely not what's happening. But uh, <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. But Write I, a fan fiction about that. I like that the movie just has a very unique sense of self to it, despite being based on something that is fairly iconic in its own right. And it's it's able to carry off a lot of different atmospheres. Like out in the off-grid area, it basically does just feel like Blade Runner. It's rainy and foggy and dark, and there's big, squared-off, jagged mountains that look like L.A. 2019. They look like all those skyscrapers and, like, the Tyrell building, and they just have this ominous, dark glow about everything. And um, it can balance that with, like, dance music-infused, like, techno gladiators. And, like, it's carrying a lot of things, in it, and it carries a lot of it off really well. I don't know if you just kind of want to wrap up how you feel about it, but I'm content leaving leaving it there i think it's just you know all around pretty good time sure yeah yeah i think all around it is a pretty good time um i think it's a movie that is both ahead of its time and dated you know i think uh in the way we're comparing it both to blade runner and blade runner 2049 and it's a movie that came out somewhere in the middle of those movies i think it's a movie that is is good while you're watching it um which is really all you can ask of a movie, I think. And I think it uh, it really comes down to those Jeff Bridges quotes you said. You know, one of them is timeless, and one of them feels really cheesy and dated. You know, and I think that's what this this movie is. It has elements of uh, timelessness, and it also has elements that feel dated. And I think that just that just evens out to being a. Uh, a pleasant movie from that is of its time and uh i could see exciting twitterverse for two days you know like yeah. like movies do that are of their time so i think um and and one other thing i think that this movie because it is so pleasant to look at and it's a it's a nice ride i think this could very well be plenty of children's tron movie oh, without totally having is. seen without having seen the original movie i think the fact that people on your twitter are talking about how good this movie is um shows that that people are latching onto this and did latch onto this and i think that is really really awesome and so i'm glad it's around and i'm glad i saw it and if you like tron or you have an interest in tron and not having seen it you like technopunk and science fiction and heroes journey stories totally check it out is technopunk a term you made up because i've never heard of that in my life i didn't think so but you're pretty well read so if you hadn't heard of it maybe i made it up i'm gonna google it while we're here uh for the benefit of the audience because i'm curious what that means according to urban dictionary 
It is a community of performers, artists, ravers, and hackers enjoying a punk lifestyle surrounded by high tech. Okay, sure. So it's a bit <laughs> of a cyberpunk thing going on. I just hadn't heard it. I wasn't putting you on blast. I just wasn't sure. Uh, yeah, no. I, well, I, I think now it's I'm an appropriate use case for it. Like, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm asking myself how it differs from cyberpunk, of which I cannot answer you. So I think cyberpunk is really what I meant the entire time. Yeah. Okay, sure. That's fine. Also, I don't know if you looked into this, but for anybody who's looking to do some light reading, uh, the Wikipedia page of this movie is fucking huge. Um, so go nuts, because there's a lot here. And um, I think with that, we're we're good with Tron Legacy. I think we can, you know, put that floppy disk back on the shelf and uh, revisit <laughs> that revisit that at a later time. And uh, next week, y'all, I want to do a bit of a preamble here, because next week we're breaking new ground, baby. Uh, we're going to be taking a trip to the movie theater and, uh, you know, <laughs> to watch our repertory screening of <laughs> Tron Legacy. Legacy. <laughs> um, Discuss how it changes things. Honestly, I'd be, if it, if that ever happens, I would love to revisit this on a big screen just to see if what you say has any credence, but no folks get excited. And I hope you love Stephen King because we're heading to the theater to watch Dr. Sleep, which, um, I think Liam and I both are extremely excited about. Oh, yeah. And uh, Liam, I'm curious. Uh, I kind of want to ask now just because I'm thinking about it because I'm really giddy about this episode. Have you read the book or was this? Yep. Okay, so you're, you're book guy and movie guy. I'm just movie guy. But I think that's going to probably be a long one. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about and we're excited to do that. So if you guys want to join in, I know it's been out for a little over a week now, I believe. Um Head to the theater, check out Dr. Sleep, and that's what we'll be doing here next week on They Made Another One. But before that, we would like to thank you for checking out this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, all one word, on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, and The Grid, if you want to listen to podcasts. Uh, you can catch us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and what your favorite version of Digital Jeff Bridges is. Uh, Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. The tag is Graham the Mallow. And um, you can catch me on Twitter at Mr. Corey Price. And uh, be sure to take a trip to the theater to catch Dr. Sleep so we can have a good hangout time with that next week. <laughs> Uh, we would like to say thanks again, and we'll catch you here for more. They made another one? <laughs>